Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. So today we continue our Lenten journey with Esther, Queen Esther, who is a model servant of advocacy. And it's important to realize the context of this story. Esther was chosen to be queen, one of the wives of King Ahasuerus, who had a vast kingdom, and no one knew that she was Jewish. No one knew. And so she was living under this veil of protection, a very privileged position. She didn't have to worry about anything. She had all the best food and the best finery to wear. She had all the social standing and status she wanted. And she was even the favorite queen now of King Ahasuerus. So much so that you heard him say, ask what you want. And even if it's half of my kingdom, I'll give it to you. You don't say that unless you really happen to like somebody, I would hope. And so she is in this wonderful position. And then the word comes through her kinsman Mordecai that Haman has plotted to have the Jews killed. And because he is in such a position of status himself in the king's household, he is able to write an edict that proclaims that they will slaughter all of the Jews, kill them. And Mordecai approaches Esther and says to her, you have to do something. You have to do something. And in that day and age, women didn't do something. So for her to even take that position of, I'm going to do something, is incredible. And so she devises this situation where she will play the hostess and have hospitality in the dining banquet hall in her part of the castle. And there she has a private banquet with all the finest things for her husband, the king, and for Haman. And when they gather there, and they have it several nights in a row, the king is so impressed with her, not just who she is and how much he's enjoyed her being his wife, but with her ability to serve them, that he promises her that she can have what she wants. And in that moment, she could have asked for anything. She could have let the moment go, too. She didn't have to say something, but she did. She decides that she is going to be an advocate for her people. And so at great risk, and the personal cost was high, technically by exposing herself as Jewish, she too could have been killed by Haman's edict. At great personal risk and having no idea how this would go, she stands up for her people and she says, please give us our lives. And the king responds to her, not to the plight of the people, but to her because of their relationship, because of what they have cultivated together. There is great power in that. And so when she spoke to him, she didn't speak to him as a Jew. She spoke to him as his wife and queen, Esther. And he responds to her in that way. And so the people are saved. Naman is the one who is destroyed for his evil plotting. And it's important that we focus on this because, one, this is not going to be the last time that the Jewish people are persecuted and genocide is perpetuated on them. But two, because Esther is showing us something crucial. We live in a day and age where secular culture is starting to realize that bullying is unacceptable. 
that we can't do this. I'm constantly getting things sent home from the elementary school where my son attends, letting me know that they've talked about bullying or they're going to be talking about it again or that they have a zero-tolerance policy for bullying. And that's fabulous. We shouldn't let people get bullied. No one has the right to deprive a human being of the dignity that God has placed there at their creation. They have been given a heart like God's, created in the image of God, and why should we treat them as anything less? And so we shouldn't let people get hurt that way. However, as we become adults, very few of us are bullying in the classic sense of putting our hands on someone. Instead, it's less about weapons and violence and more about words and hurting people with our apathy or with our willingness to ignore their existence. And so advocacy becomes vital. God meant for us to be advocates. In fact, the gospel account of John tells us that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, when they gathered at the table for the Passover Seder, Jesus says to his apostles, soon I will no longer be with you. You will no longer see me, but the Holy Spirit will come to you. I will not leave you orphaned. The advocate, the Holy Spirit is coming to you and will remind you of all that I've said to you and lead you and guide you. And so God realized that people need advocates. But lest we should think that, well, the Holy Spirit's the advocate and the rest of us can just take a back seat to that. Instead, we are empowered by the greatest advocate ever, the Holy Spirit, to do the work of advocacy. We are meant in the various positions and roles and responsibilities we have in this world to use that power for the good of others. We are not meant to squander it for ourselves. We are not meant to play it safe and keep our head down and hope that we are not part of any change. Instead, we are agents and advocates of change where people are no longer persecuted or hurt or set aside or cast out or hated. We are to be vessels of holy change in this world. And Esther was showing us that Sometimes we have to put it all on the line for what is right. If she had not spoken up, countless Jews would have been killed for nothing other than having been faithful believers in the covenant. Can we sit by and let that happen? Can we let people be hurt or worse killed because we are afraid? We're not called to that. We have been called to high and holy work, and that is to stand up for those who need it. Now, we're working to change our children. In fact, I was telling the 930 worship service, even though they had a whole ton of children sitting up here too, that every Monday and Tuesday when I gather here in the space between the front pew and the chancel rail with the preschool children, 62 over two days, that one of the things we're constantly talking about is bullying, that we don't say things that hurt people. We don't do things that hurt people, and some of them are still in the phase of we don't hit people, and we don't take things from people without asking, and we don't ignore people. We don't pretend like they're not there. And that's important because more than just saying, I'm not letting you bullying somebody, is standing up and refusing to let someone else be bullied. Are we teaching our children and our teenagers to be advocates? Are we teaching them not just to do it themselves, but to stop other people from doing it? There are plenty of times where I have been out and about and I see children doing things that are bad to each other and I will completely tell them to stop it. And they usually look at me with terror 
And then I hold my breath to see if some adult is going to talk to me. And I know there are people that say, you should mind your business. Well, a child hurting another child is my business. Someone being victimized is my business. Someone being hurt, I have seen children twisting each other's arms. I have seen them hitting each other. I have seen them poking and prodding each other. That's my business. That's their parents' business too, but if you're not going to watch, I will. It's our business. We don't let children get hurt. That is not why we are here on this earth. We are here to be protectors. We are here to care for the widow and the orphan. And if no parent's watching you, then we're going to make sure that you're okay, that you are not victimized, but not by another child, not by an adult, not by anybody. We are going to make sure that you can be free to love and grow instead of being hurt. So not only do I train my child that he can't hit somebody or hurt their feelings, but I train my child to stop other people from doing it. If you're out on the playground and somebody is doing something hurtful to another person, then you stop it. You tell them to stop it. You tell them how ridiculous it is that they feel the need to make fun of somebody else. And if that's not working, then you tell a teacher. Because we are not here to let people suffer. We have not been forgiven of our sins and suffering so that other people may suffer. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could take turns making other people suffer because now we don't have to suffer. That's not why we are here. And yet as adults, sometimes we aren't modeling what advocacy looks like. Sometimes as adults, we are showing children the antithesis of what it means to live peacefully in community and with our neighbors. For instance, when we let verbal attacks happen on a nationwide scale and call it debate. Or when we as adults use social media to attack and to disparage and to hurt someone and think that our children don't see it. If they have access to the internet, they can Google your name. And we are showing another generation that, yes, you can't put hands on somebody, but you can belittle them with your words. You can make them feel like they aren't worthy. On Friday, when the power went out, I and I think half of Crozet had breakfast over at Whistle Stop. And while we were over there, a lot of the high schoolers had kind of gathered there because they, you know, they had power and you could eat. And so they were there and there was a table of young women behind us. And my son and I were sitting there and I was listening to what they were saying. And it took me about 15 minutes to realize that they were supposed to be friends. The way they were talking to each other, one of them actually said, if you didn't hear me, it must be because you're stupid or you have a problem because I said that. I don't know that I let my friends talk to me like that. I don't know that I want to be friends with somebody that wants to talk to me like that. But are we teaching our children and our teenagers that they should love and honor one another or that they should belittle the other person so that they can feel bigger? That's what Haman was doing. He was tearing down the Jewish people and specifically Mordecai, who he had some kind of irrational hatred for. Because in the end, he felt bigger and better when he made people suffer. And that is a sin. To make someone suffer so you can feel better is a sin. And to let someone else suffer when you can stop it, that, brothers and sisters, is a sin of omission. That is when we do not do what we need to do. We are just as guilty as all of those who passed by the man who was beaten and robbed and bleeding and needed help on the side of the road. 
that neither the priest nor the Levite would help. But thank God a Samaritan walked by. We cannot let people suffer. And some of our most powerful ways of making people suffer in the United States in this day and age is with our words. And sometimes they're not even spoken, they're typed. So we have to realize that we are called to something else. Not just to say, I don't use Facebook like that, but to say, this isn't right. You can't treat people like this. You can't do this to another person. What makes you think this is okay? We are called to be building people up, not stripping people bare. If our words are stripping people bare and beating them, we are no better than the Roman soldiers who stripped Christ bare and beat him before putting him up on the cross. We are not that. And we have to make a conscious decision to raise our children and our youth in a family of faith that equips them and encourages them to do the right thing. Because one day we will be gone. And if we have not taught them, not only with our teaching, but our example, then this sinful cycle of bullying and separation and hatred will continue. And I can only imagine the pain and suffering that happens in heaven when one more person is belittled and rejected and pushed to the point that they think the only way to make this stop is if I stop living. That is not who we are called to be. Esther showed us who we were called to be. People who take great risks. People who put ourselves on the line because we do believe that God is our advocate. And if we are stepping out in faith to be an advocate for another, that God will be with us to help us, to make it right, to help heal after the truth has been spoken, that we must take action. And sometimes you can change an entire trajectory of an encounter just by saying, this isn't right. This is not right. How many people watched Jesus get betrayed, arrested, tried, whipped, beaten, publicly humiliated, carry his cross all the way to Golgotha and get crucified, and no one had the guts to say, this isn't right? Haven't we learned the lesson that now is our time? We have been given incredible positions of power and responsibility. Some of us have voices that hundreds of people listen to regularly. Do we stand up for the people in our sphere of influence? Are we part of beating them down or are we allowing others to beat them down? If you come into the front office and you start belittling Kelly or Linda, you are in for it. I don't let people talk to them like that. I don't think I talk to you like that, do I? Linda! I ain't talking to you anymore, Linda. I don't want to do it. I actually had a funeral service. We were getting ready to start, and someone started saying horrific things to Linda. And I said, I will not do this. If you don't stop, you don't get to treat her like that. If you don't stop, there will be no funeral. Try me. We don't treat people like this. I realize you're stressed. I realize you're mourning. But you can't do this. Not here. 
She doesn't deserve to be your whipping boy. Now, you don't have to be as voracious as I am about it. But we don't let people do that. I will call out my child like that. I will call out your child like that. Because at some point, someone has to draw a line. And you know what? It's not, it's not like a little like wavy line with pretty flowers on the end. It's a hard line. And we draw it. And we stick to it. And we tell people, if you're tired of being beaten and bruised, come over here on this side because we're not going to let you do it. Your pain and suffering ends because we will no longer let it happen. We are people who recognize that Christ has given us all that we need to change this world. And change it we shall. Or we are just as guilty as all of those who stood there and watched our Savior suffer and die. Christ has given us all that we need. All that we need. And if we are not willing to be courageous, then what are we doing? Christ came to be our firm foundation. We stand on that, and then Christ built a rock of a church on top of it. And we're here to be pulling people up on top, out of the depths, out of the darkness, out of the pain and the suffering that the world perpetuates on them, so that they will know they are not alone, that they don't deserve the twisted, perverted encounters that they receive that make them feel less than human. We are here to rescue the lonely, to bring back those who have been abandoned and pushed aside, and to let them know that even on their worst day, they are beloved children of God. And if a church doesn't reflect that, then it might need to consider changing the name on the sign in the front. This church has many people who have a heart of Jesus Christ and who won't let that happen here. And I rejoice and I celebrate that. But even more than here, sometimes much more so than here, we have to be willing to do that in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our jobs, wherever our day should take us. Are we willing to stand up and be advocates like Esther, like Jesus Christ? May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.